Fashion freaking matters. It matters to the economy, to society, and to each of us personally. Faster than anything else, what we wear tells the story of who we are or who we want to be. Fashion is the most immediate and intimate form of self-expression. Now, that is actually from Francis Corner's Why Fashion Matters, albeit slightly ad-libbed by myself. But this quote in a nutshell is why I love fashion. My name is Annalise Days and welcome to Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? The eight-part series that is all about the F word. I talk about my 20 plus years working in the fashion industry, including my two-time brush with a certain reality show. I'll be your own personal hype girl, giving you practical advice on how to make it in fashion. Whether your runway is the kitchen, the office, or your local high street, I dish out my own dose of look good, feel good philosophy while discussing topics and dynamics that are super important to the fashion industry. Welcome to episode two of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? Now, this episode is all about something that I recently discovered. Fashion Feng Shui. I know, like who even knew that you could combine those two things together? I feel like I briefly know what Feng Shui is. It's all about the flow of energy and positive vibes. But what has that got to do with fashion? I thought I'd start off by finding out the definition of Feng Shui. So according to Google, it's a system of laws to govern spatial arrangement slash orientation in relation to the flow of energy. See, the flow of energy bit. Now, most of us know Feng Shui can be taken into account when designing buildings and spaces. But did you know that according to Feng Shui, mirrors in the bedroom can be problematic because they deplete energy, cause sleeplessness and can lead to disrupted sleep, even nightmares. It's advised if you've got mirrors in the bedroom that you should place them so you can't see your reflection from the bed. But let's bring it back to the fashion. Feng Shui masters suggest that clients can wear certain colors to balance their element. And fashion Feng Shui is just an extension of that. So it's all about general style to enhance your element, but to maximize the energy and confidence. I think that sounds great. So to me, what I'm hearing is that fashion Feng Shui masters are rather like stylists. So not only do they take into account your body type, your skin coloring, style personality, but they have this added level of balancing your element. Okay, so elements, what exactly are we talking about here? It's not chemical, so forget the periodic table. It's your element by nature. Now, lots of different cultures refer to this slightly differently, but since we're talking Feng Shui, the five elements are wood, metal, earth, fire, and water. First thing that popped into my head is how do I work out what my element is? It's actually a calculation that is based on the date, time, and location of your birth, along with your gender. Now, I would attempt to explain how you go about doing that, but I think it would just be a lot easier if you go online and find a birth elements calculator. There are so many of them. I found out that my birth element is fire, which totally sounds like me. But what does that actually mean? And how do we relate this to fashion feng shui? First off, we've got to take a step back. What other elements nourish my element of fire? Okay, so let me try and give you some examples. You burn wood to create fire. 
so fire is nourished by wood. Water and earth help to grow wood, so wood is nourished by water and earth. In turn, water nourishes earth. Are you keeping up with me here? Because I know it's a lot. But on the flip side of all of that, wood is destroyed by fire, just as fire is destroyed by water. Metal, got to slip that one in there, is used to cut wood, so metal destroys wood. I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to say here. Basically, nourishing your elements should make you feel awesome, and in the end, it's all about working out the balance of what elements you need in your life and then addressing accordingly. So again, let's bring it back to the fashion and use me as an example. Fire is nourished by wood and fire itself. So in basic principle, I should be encouraged to wear florals and tropical prints, the color red, not actually my favorite, but orange will totally do. And that's even down to accessories and makeup. Magenta, fuchsia, pinks, greens and browns to represent wood. Animal prints, leather and faux fur are all beneficial for the fire element. I basically feel like I've found my tribe. Let's talk about what I should be avoiding or at least be mindful of. Fire is destroyed by water and earth, so I should be avoiding blues and blacks, earthy textures, reflective fabrics like metallics, because that represents water, ruffles, because that represents waves, and even sequins, which seems a bit harsh to me, because I'm very much here for random sequins on a Tuesday. However, on some occasions, actually dressing for the water element could help me cool down all of that fire energy. So it is really all about the balancing. But the scales can be tipped in the other direction, as I don't want to wear too many items that represent water, as it may put out my fire. Hmm, interesting. It's important to note that we need and are made up of all five elements in different proportions. And what I mentioned before is just the basic principle. To implement this fully, you would definitely need to find your own fashion feng shui master to tell you which elements you need and in which quantities. But I think that just inserting some of these themes could really lift your mood and increase your confidence, even if it is a placebo. If you believe in energy like me, I think that this could really make you feel good. And that's what it's all about, really. I did take the liberty of Googling fashion feng shui masters just to see what would come up. And lo and behold, fashionfengshui.com. Like, what did we even do before Google? There is so much information on this website. Books, I found one called Fashion Feng Shui, The Power of Dressing with Intention. That sounds like some great nighttime reading for me. There's also a list of fashion feng shui facilitators. That's what they call them instead of masters from all over the globe. And there's even courses you can actually qualify to become one. I find this quite interesting as I recently qualified as a personal stylist. So I did this course with the London College of Style and it was honestly so helpful for me just to understand why I make certain fashion choices and why I think certain outfits look good. The London College of Style have add-on courses like colour analysis, and I could really see how fashion feng shui could be a great addition to that. Fashionfengshui.com says that fashion feng shui is all about empowering people to dress in what they love while honouring who they are, what they believe, and what they look like. The idea starts from the standpoint 
that you are perfect to begin with. And you only need to find the clothing that energizes you to make you feel and look fantastic in the process. I love this. I mean, it very much aligns with my look good, feel good mentality. I'm going to have to leave the link for this website in the show description. As I'm sitting here and we're talking about fashion feng shui, I can feel how much this aligns with spirituality. And for me, I can't talk about spirituality without talking about the law of attraction and manifestation. Edith Head, a famous costume designer, once said, you can have anything you want in life if you dress for it. And this really gets me thinking about manifesting through your outfit and is definitely something that I firmly believe in. I think what you wear can elevate your vibrational energy, putting intention into the way that you dress and dressing in a way that may attract a life that you aspire to live. Maybe you're trying to manifest wealth, career opportunities, or the big one, love. Part of manifesting is putting things into action and fully believing in what you're manifesting. So surely... Looking like you're ready to receive it is a good starting point. There's definitely got to be something to this and also something to be said for putting good energy into your wardrobe. So you must have heard of the organizational queen, Marie Kondo. Now she believes that organization is the key to positive energy in your wardrobe as it makes getting dressed easier and more enjoyable. Marie actually has a few different steps to help organize your wardrobe, so I'm going to take you through them. First off, break down into categories, your tops, your jeans, your jumpers, etc. You want to gather a category and then dump it on the floor or the bed. That way you are instantly confronted by all the jeans that you have in your life. You're then going to pick up each item and see if it sparks joy. Does it? I mean, for me, it always does. If it does, you're going to keep it. But if not, we're going to donate it. But every item that you donate, you must thank each of them. Yes, that's what we're doing. Trust the process. Remember, gratitude is key. We're going to avoid nostalgia. It's a hard one because it is really all about the memories. That freakum dress that is way too tight but reminds me of party in Miami. Do I need it? Maybe. But let's face it, probably not. She's also got this folding technique. Let's use t-shirts as an example. So you're going to fold them up small, stack them up vertically, and then as you put them into the drawer, you're going to tilt them backwards so that you can just see a slither of each t-shirt. I mean, for me, that's going to take a lot of dedication, not only just to do it, but to keep it like that. But okay, she is the organizational queen. And then when it comes to hanging, she's got some ideas. Rise to the right. What she means by this is that she thinks all your darker, heavier stuff should go on the left-hand side of your wardrobe. And then the lighter, brighter, more summer pieces should go to the right. Does that make sense to you? I mean, me personally, I prefer to hang my items by their kind of category. So my blazers, my cohorts, my dresses, all in sections. Other people like to color code. Maybe it's by season, workwear vs. casual wear. 
I think the main point really is that it just needs to be organised. It doesn't really matter how you do that. I mean, you could attempt to have extreme discipline like author Mary Helen Rowell, who says that when you buy an item, you should throw something else away. One in, one out is what she calls it. Oh, hell no. I cannot conscribe to that one. But however you decide to hang and organise your clothes, you know it has to be done. It's an instant way to make getting dressed in the morning 10 times easier, especially because you can clearly see all your items and you don't have to rummage through piles. So yeah, taking some basics from fashion feng shui, Marie Kondo, or dressing for the life that you want to manifest for yourself. I mean, it really can't hurt. Wear those colors or prints that you think might nourish your element. I mean, why not? See if you feel any different and let me know because I'd love to hear from you. Right, so it's time for the part of the show called Fashion Flashback, where I take you on a brief journey on the history of some of our favourite items of clothing. And today, it's all about that secret weapon in a woman's wardrobe, the little black dress, aka the LBD. The LBD is an icon of feminism. Um, There's fashion rules that say that every single woman should own a simple, elegant black dress that can be dressed up or dressed down. So who created this simple yet effective item of clothing? So we can't pinpoint it exactly, but the origins go back to the early 1920 designs from Jean Pateau and Coco Chanel. Chanel is widely credited with the popularisation. Basically, she took all the glory. The ubiquity of the LBD was born out of the Great Depression. This was basically a period of worldwide economic depression in the late 1920s and early 1930s. So people had to learn to like ration it up and ball on a serious budget. It was all about simple, affordable, versatile, durable dressing. Like, no wonder it was depressing. The neutral colour of black meant that it was accessible to the widest market possible. Before this, black had always been a rich colour of symbolism and was only really worn on occasions of mourning. The dye was like stupid expensive to produce back then, so black clothing always reflected how rich you were. Anne Boleyn famously wore black velvet dresses way back in the 1500s. Ballin'. The LBD did get some attention back in 1883 when this artist guy, John Sargent, showed the LBD's sex appeal potential with his piece titled Madam X. Like, apparently got all the gentlemen's pulses racing. I mean, it was definitely tame for nowadays. But this was basically the first time the little black dress was seen in this light. I'll put the link for you to see this work of art and any other images that I mention in the show description. In 1926, American Vogue debuted Coco Chanel's LBD and they compared it to Ford's, you know, the car company's most popular car, the T-Model, which was considered to be the first affordable automobile. So that basically sent the simple little black dress design skyrocketing. The design, along with others from Chanel and Jean Pateau, helped to disassociate black from mourning and reinvented the whole idea for the LBD to be a chic woman's essential. As Coco herself proclaimed, I imposed black. It's still going strong to this day, for black wipes out everything else around. Okay, Coco. 
By the way, I don't know why the word little is used to describe these dresses. Because that one that was featured in Vogue had hella material. Like long sleeves right up to her neck, calf length. Like, oh no, don't expose those sexy ankles. However, I do really like the sassy LBDs that Josephine Baker wore in the 1930s. Feather action, embellishments. Like, yes, that is how I like my little black dresses. After World War II, many designers saw the potential and opportunity of the LBD. So they created their own versions. Brands like Christian Dior, Givenchy. They actually helped to solidify the design's presence in society. Full skirts and cinched waists gave the LBD a sexier update. And it wasn't long before Hollywood stars adopted the style on and off screen. So we have to talk about the iconic film Breakfast at Tiffany's, featuring arguably the most famous black dress in cinematic history. The scene of Audrey Hepburn casually munching on a croissant, sipping on coffee while perusing Tiffany jewellery in her Givenchy dress from the night before. Like, oh, the bouginess of it. Here's a couple facts for you. Originally, the dress was much shorter, but the film studios thought it was too risque, so it was lengthened by the film's costume designer, Edith Head. The actual dress from the film sold at auction in 2006 for £467,000. Yep. And since we're on facts, here's a general one. The LBD was actually relied on by filmmakers as Technicolor became more common because other colours were actually distorted. So yeah, the LBD was going nowhere. And since then, party dresses in general have been a firm favourite for the fashion and film world. Of course, changing style across the decades. Sheaf dresses were popular in the 60s. In the 70s, black halter-style dresses were reserved for, like, the sassy ones. You know, like the Hollywood vixens, femme fatales. Yeah, you know the type. In the 80s, it became all about the shoulders and poof dresses. But the 90s were huge for the LBD, the era of minimalist slip dresses. Think Posh Spice. On one hand, you could say that little black dresses are, like, the safe option. But you could actually also argue the opposite. Think about some of the most talked about dresses in history, like that safety pin Versace dress that firmly put Elizabeth Hurley on the map, or even that dress that Princess Diana wore right after her divorce to Prince Charles. Like, yeah, that was a revenge dress. And the off-the-shoulder design by Greek designer Christina Stambolian was basically deemed too sexy, too risque, too daring by certain people. But like, come on now. We all know that that was just the right way for Princess Diana to transition into a fashion icon. So yeah, your go-to LBD is definitely making more of a statement than you could ever think. Thank you so much for joining me for episode two of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? I really hope you enjoyed it and that you can take something away about the principles of fashion feng shui and the power of an LBD. I'll be back next time with my guide on how to get into the modeling industry. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast. I've got lots more fashion topics to dive into. Tell a friend, share the love, and I'll be back soon.